social impact. Just what are public-private partnerships? How are we keeping children safe? Children are being reduced to data points so outcomes can be tracked. Now there's a predatory model based on profit. When you are talking about money and children, the system gets gamed and you, the parent, lose your voice. Is it really informed consent? You decide. Here's your host, Lynn Davenport. You're listening to Social Impact. This is Lynn Davenport. I'm here with Patricia Hardy, State Board of Education member for District 11. Pat, welcome again. Thank you. Good All right, to be so here. we we uh, we had a, a whole seg our whole show on a call to action for the the TEKS, the social studies TEKS, which are the standards that are coming August 1st. And, but by the time this uh, releases, that may have already happened. So I wanted to have a second show so that we could talk about what your role is, how it relates to the Texas Education Agency Commissioner and uh, the State Board of Education members, uh, what your role is, uh, what you're responsible for versus what he's responsible for. Um, and um, so, and I know your background. So you've been on the state board for 20 years. You come from an education background. You were a teacher and an administrator. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I appreciate your input on this. Um, so you are not my state re- or state board rep. Uh, mine now is Kevin Ellis, whereas before it was Pam Little, and uh, because I got redistricted. And so um, I, I am, am um, I'm trying to help use this podcast to help people understand how to engage at the local level. But I've been doing things at this, the local level. I ran for school board in 2017. I've also testified at the state board and at the legislature for years, probably I think it started in 2016. <laughs> so once Greg Abbott appointed, Governor Greg Abbott appointed Mike Morath, I had already been studying him because he was on the Dallas ISD school board. I saw that much of what he did at uh, in Dallas ISD actually influenced influenced several bills that came before the legislature. So I, uh, I've also studied the vendors and the contracts that have come in through Dallas ISD, other districts, and at the, the state board level. Uh, so I have some concerns uh, about um, that. But first, I want to start with uh, how, what is your interaction with the commissioner? What does the state board do in relation to like what are you responsible for and what he's responsible for you might look at it as uh from a local district point of view where you have the local school board and then you have a superintendent Mm -hmm. Uh, he's the commissioner of education and he has uh, actually a more absolute powers probably than the state board of education but we work together and i have to say that mike morath has been uh uh, an easy to work with uh person actually all of them have been uh the commissioners have been so he uh so approachable accessible yes yes, very much so Uh he were he heads up the texas education agency now uh there are certain things that the state board of education is responsible for one of these would be the the uh, I talked in the last meeting about the uh, Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills. That totally comes under the State Board of Education. The other thing that the State Board of Education does is it oversees the uh, permanent school fund. And that's a constitutional responsibility given to the state. And this is nearly 60, is it 50, 60 billion? How much About is that? About 55 billion. $55 billion in the permanent mm-hmm. school fund. Mm-hmm. And this has been on my radar lately. Mm-hmm. 
And I talked to Don Buckingham about this because uh, she's in a mm-hmm. heated race, as you right. are, uh, for the uh, land um, commissioner. Uh, commissioner, yes, which also handles the the permanent school fund. Right, she's on the uh, uh, the corporation committee. Along, I'm on that. As oh, with well. you, okay. Yes, yes. And and so why I've been following this is because Governor Greg Abbott has appointed people to not only to the land board, which happened years ago. Mm-hmm or a year or two ago, I forget when that was, but he appointed Todd Williams. Mm -hmm. And then um, he's also appointed him to that corporation that you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And so why that's significant is because Todd Williams is is a former Goldman Sachs executive, and he made his money in the financial crisis of 2008. He is listed on Mike Morath's application for the commissioner. So, uh, and it's interesting because Governor Abbott is a, is a Republican and these men are Democrats. So it's interesting that he has appointed a, a, a hard Democrat to this role. This is, um, uh, it's, it's, I believe that um, that having access and control of that money is very important to them, but uh, that's why I'm watching it, you know, because it's follow the money, yeah. right? Well, I will say that we have uh, a uh, the permit school fund has an excellent reputation uh, under the leadership of our executive director Holland Timmons, and uh, our committee chairman is Tom Maynard, Thomas Maynard, mm-hmm. and uh, high integrity people. So I feel comfortable about the uh, how the permanent school fund has operated over the years. We have done an excellent job building that that fund. Uh, from the over the twenty years I've been there, no. What the biggest concern about that is that is not them. It's it's those uh, so like Todd because he has a conflict of interest because mm. he actually has a nonprofit called Commit and Commit is paid by the Texas Education Agency. That was not disclosed in his appointment. So that's something that I want people to understand. He needs to reveal his investments, his uh, his connection with the the TEA. I think that's a conflict of interest. Mm. He should not be on there. Uh, and then we also need to look at other investments uh, that he's not he did not put on his application. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's you know that's a, a sidebar. So okay, and then um, so you, what about budget that you're supposed to well, be? But see, we we don't uh, we don't do anything like that. We are uh, it's a portfolio that we oversee this uh, portfolio, but we actually have the uh, permanent school fund. But you used to have more control over the budget, and that's been uh, given more to the the commissioner. Or is that no? Am I understand no, no, no. That the permanent school fund has always been uh, no, not the PSF. Oh. The, just I'm saying the general budget. Oh no, we have never had much to do with the general budget. Okay, the state board of education has not. Uh, that that would not be under our purview. Okay, so uh, then as far as the the TEA commissioner, his role, and just just take a second to to go over that. Okay, we work with him. He keeps us updated on how the star test is coming along and things along that line, uh, and and we intersect in different points. Uh, a few years ago, the state board of education had control over charter schools, mm-hmm. and then the legislature decided that the state board of education shouldn't have control over charter schools. And actually, in the last session, they had a bill to to wipe out the state board of education having anything to do with charter schools, and that would have meant no 
elected officials would have anything to do with charter schools. Wow. And so that would give Marath a, a total authority over. Give, yeah. And we know he's a huge proponent of that dual yeah. system of education, so, which is taxation without representation <laughs> because they do not have elected yeah. boards. Interesting. But but the thing about it is we uh, it, that was a part of the, the deal was that, that would we would go away completely. Wow. But two years beforehand, they had started that process. And what in that process, they said, okay, the State Board of Education can make an up or down vote on the charter schools that the commissioner brings to them. So if 20, uh, 30 schools, 30 people assigned themselves to that, mm-hmm. then only he would go through them and decide which 10 or 12 or 8. And then we get to look at those. And if we like them, we go yes. If we don't, we go no. Mm. Uh, last vote was five he gave us and four of them we rejected and only one did we pass okay well when we come back we're going to talk about other contracts that are going on through the tea we'll be when it's time to perform it's too late to practice first safety training in dfw supports local communities and churches through firearms training and non-violent dispute resolution training understand the laws related to weapons and deadly force handgun use and safety and proper storage practices A trained and licensed gun-carrying citizen will react quicker to protect themselves and others. Call 214-808-9757 to schedule your introduction to handguns, license to carry, active shooter, church security, and survival training. Be prepared for the best possible outcome of a weaponized attack. Make sure the law is on your side in the event deadly force is necessary. Call 214-808-9757 and work with former law enforcement trainers and range officers. Meet all municipal, county, state, and federal regulations. Understand your gun and how to care for it properly. Call First Safety Training at 214-808-9757 today. Local business, don't get run over like a freight train. What if there were television and podcast studios right in your own backyard? Call 214-714-0495. OBBM Network Studios at Grace Point Media are DFW's full-service media solution for busy business owners who want to support their local community. Want your own show? We'll put it together and promote it for you. Want to advertise to businesses? With over 20 platforms, OBBM Network gets you in front of DFW's business community in powerful and creative new ways. Associate in higher profile circles. Take advantage of guest spots on business TV or podcasts. Join us at 1860 Crown Road, Suite 1410 in Farmers Branch, Texas for an episode, or maybe two. In fact, make OBBM the place you meet for valuable one-on-ones. Profitable business, free America. Make media work for you, DFW. Call 214-714-0495 and check out the calendar on offbeatbusiness.com for events you don't want to miss. What was that number? 214-714-0495. We're back with Social Impact. This is Lynn Davenport with Pat Hardy. And, Pat, I want to talk about the Texas Education Agency and how it uh, – how how does Mike Morath decide who the vendors are that he uses? And is there any sort of – I mean, I know that they have a scoring system that they have to go through to use a vendor. But do you have – does the State Board have any – No, any? we have we have no – no okay. purview in that particular area. 
of, of vendors. But if you regard. saw a uh, an issue with a vendor and you were hearing things from teachers and from parents and taxpayers that there was an issue with this, so say like, let's take Amplify. The, Marath just arbitrarily gave Amplify a $50 million contract. If there was an issue with that, because that is curric- that's a, a way to 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 distribute the uh, it's a form of curriculum I it guess. is the online it's uh, online and, uh, right uh, what do they call it the, the it's a resource it's a resource mm-hmm. for people like it was originally set up it really worked itself into the COVID situation because it was a resource an online resource that is oh to address learning loss yes mm-hmm. yes and not just to address the loss but the fact that they weren't going to school and they had to have some different resources oh. felt like they did now I uh, that has really a not uh, a non sequitur with the state board itself because we don't have any say so in that particular thing. So see, this is my issue: is that you mentioned it was kind of like superintendent and school boards in a way, the way that the structure is. However, the school boards hire and fire the superintendent, and they can hold them accountable, and they are the buck stops with the board. And the way that the the state board and the TEA is set up, it's not that way. So Abbott would technically be the only authority over. Mike Morath. So if he was steering contracts, which we know he's done, uh, there was a, a really there was a major controversy with SpedEx years ago where there were other contracts embedded within that, and um, Penny Schwinn and um, some of his deputies had had given him the, the they that's where he got this um, this deal with it's called SpedEx S P E D X. Mm-hmm. It was a no bid sole source deal. They say oh they're the only ones who can do this. They sold it was a data mining scandal where they sold private sensitive IEP special needs kids data to this startup out of Atlanta and you come to find out there's a whole web of Teach for America and the and all of these um, these people who are it's like this network of a patronage system nationwide well so he got his hand slapped uh, it was a four point something million dollar deal a half of that had already been spent so the governor you know he, he get the, he's supposed to hold him accountable but he doesn't and so I guess I'm trying to figure out where is the where are the checks and balances if the state board isn't over that and there are other deals like Safal partners and Greenlight credentials um, the commit partnership data mining and data harvesting they're doing artificial intelligence they're doing uh, predictive analytics and uh, profiling of the students using student academic data and the state board is not privy to this because not that's not what you all are mm-hmm. even you're not even given access to see this stuff so it keeps you in the dark meanwhile he has unfettered access to data to contracts to funding i know that through this pandemic there are there millions have been flooding in the tea and so i met this woman uh, she works for cicero and she's another one that's been given contracts and and she she said you know, they're, they're, there's just money just flowing through the TEA, millions and millions of dollars. And so I'm trying to figure out as a, an activist, as a taxpayer, what do we do? How can we, what, what can we do about that? Well, uh, certainly not the State Board of Education is not because we don't have the, the authority to, to do anything. I would say that if, if you're looking at an appointed position, then you go to the appointer. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'd be Abbott. Would be the uh, situation because, mm-hmm. you know, someone would uh, would have to, to look into all that. Mm-hmm. But that is, it's not something that, that we do. We have kind of come up against some things. For example, um, 
there was a bill a few years ago, Senate Bill 6, that, that as a board we're not very pleased with because it made a lot of decisions on textbooks, like 50% of the TEKS do not have to be in the textbook, or a textbook, a textbook could be approved with 50% of the TEKS with the idea that your other materials would come in from like supplemental. supplemental stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's real hard to trace. Mm -hmm. But in, 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 a, in most school districts, I will say I worked in the textbook area in Weatherford, and they didn't even look at anything that wasn't 100%. Because it would be a waste, because well, then they would yeah. have to do too Then you have to do all extra. the other mm -hmm. stuff. And so they would say, if it's 100%, we'll consider it, but it, we're not going to. But many school districts don't take that kind of um, uh, stringent fidelity to the, to the rules. Mm -hmm. And so they could offer uh, their brother-in-law might have a book that doesn't have the whole uh, bunch of teaks in it, but their brother-in-law has it, so they, they can do that. So it opens we have the that door. In the in uh, Voyager Learning in Richardson ISD, and our, our the former TEA commissioner, uh, Jim Nelson, mm -hmm. there was a big scandal with that because he and his wife were, uh, this is when he used to be our superintendent, mm -hmm. but then he went on to be, these people fail upwards. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy how much, how much um, you know, that the, the graft and the cronyism is going on out there. Uh, so, yeah, I see. So if, if they don't have 100%, then it, it really would be it's not good. pointless to... It, yeah, it's, it's really not good because you're supposed to be getting the textbook that that is written to cover. And until Texas did that, we were the biggest purchaser of textbooks. Mm -hmm. And so the textbook companies oftentimes wrote to us, I mean, wanted the, the wrote for, for the Texas audience. About that same time, Common Core came around, and Common Core was more appealing because that involved more states. So they stopped looking at Texas. So everyone thinks Texas controls the textbook industry, but we don't. It, textbooks are written to the Common Core, and then they kind of fluff it around with something for Texas because interesting, you know, the money the money was in other words, you had the corner on the market and then you lost the corner on the market by that legislation, in my opinion. Well, and, and Texas has been such a huge target because we educate what one tenth five, of America's yeah five five point four five million kids. yeah. Five, over five million kids, one tenth of America's kids are educated in Texas, and and um, you mentioned Common Core, which is something that I have been following for years. Which was, you know, we won't get into that um, specifically, but it was it is a philosophy of education that really changed. It was it was shifting away from academic knowledge more to the behavioral, but it also was something that they said Texas said no to. And what I found is if sixty percent of our teaks in our curriculum lines up with Common Core. It's basically common core. Not really, because you see certain things are always going to be aligned. If, if you want to learn that George Washington was the first president of the United States. Sure, sure. Or you want to use those multiplication tables. So you, you would say that there is a lot of overlap into what is just good basic education. But then Common Core took it a little bit in another direction. but Well, we rebranded it, too, because I think um, much of the, you know, out of convenience, we do adopt a lot of materials that are Common Core aligned in other states. But in it, Texas, we call it the College and Career Ready Standards. That's basically Common Core rebranded. If you look at it, like, um, you line it up together, mm -hmm. a lot of these materials and, and uh, resources are Common Core because that's just easier. But, but and, they but can overlap. And so sure. everything isn't, isn't that way. But 
the um, and, and going back on all these different things, you wonder about uh, where our standards get lost or meshed mm-hmm. into that, and and become accepted uh, as as part of the common core. Mm-hmm. But but I would say we have to be careful because there are a lot of things that are just common stuff that you're now, supposed interestingly, to. Interestingly, yeah, I understand you know, that the Common Core offered all kinds of uh, different what they call race to the top monies, the, the waiver and the yeah, funding. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and Texas couldn't couldn't apply for those things because we were a non-Common Core state, and only only if you uh, adhered to Common Core. Could you, could you receive the, the could funding? Could you even apply for them? So, so yeah. if any school that applied for them, which a few schools did, mm-hmm. uh, they really were illegal in doing that because mm-hmm. they that means they were lying to somebody. Yes, we teach Common Core, or no, we don't, but we're still going to apply for this. And that's in the, the rules for applying for the Common Core race to the top. Interesting. Okay, well, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back and uh, come up with some uh, suggestions and uh, solutions. Uh, yeah. Be the leader you know you can be. Build your professional network and access education that takes you where you want to go. We are women of all ages and backgrounds. You deserve national recognition and opportunities to build relationships with people you want to work and grow with. Hit the ground running with the Charisma Chapter of the American Business Women's Association. Meetings each month from 6 to 8.30 p.m. on the fourth Tuesday in Farmers Branch, Texas and online. Come with us. Experience ABWA for yourself. Go to charisma.abwa.org to learn more. Business runs on technology, and human beings are creatures of habit. Unfortunately, not all our habits are good. Technology, when it works, is supposed to make our lives easier, creating routines that allow us to protect customer data, track our progress, forecast the future, communicate better, and move much faster. So you need technology solutions that work when you're not working, or simply not paying attention. Smart technology solutions, making the complicated uncomplicated. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. They're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit. Subscribe today and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. We'd love to have you on board. We're back with Social Impact, and now I want to go into, you mentioned, Pat, uh, race to the top. And so something that I have watched is the, the slow creep of the federal intrusion, and there's really no constitutional justification for the Federal Department of Education. However, it exists, and... Uh, so how do we then um, eliminate some of those strings? Because you mentioned race to the top. So if you accepted the funds, and I've had Dr. Pat Huff on here. He's a retired educator and, and administrator, and or he was a former middle school and high school principal, and he wrote a book on this. And um, he, he talks about the waiver and those who took the waiver. And, and so with No Child Left Behind, with Race to the Top, with ESSA, Every Student Succeeds Act, comes more strings and more hoops that we have to jump through. And if you look at um, the increase in federal dollars that we've taken just for the pandemic, ESSER funding, it creates a dependence, and then it also creates a uh, – it's like a, a prison. You know, it's like a, a, an enclosure. Uh, so 
you know, I I know that Marath, this has been a frustration of mine with Marath, is that he always talks about the feds as if this is a good thing and oh, I've got to comply with them. And I say, no, we don't. I think we actually need to start eliminating our dependence on the federal government, bring things back to local control. I've been against the accountability system in that I've seen how it's been a perversion of education. And um, it's been, I, I think of it as... Um, as um, kind of, a, I don't know, it, it, like I said, a perversion of education. So w- I see that he will run things through the Education Service Center as a way to skirt transparency. And a lot of these contracts, like Greenlight Credentials, um, that's come through our Region 10 Education Service Center. There was also a deal years ago where he, um, this was something they sounded the alarms on in L.A., uh, but it was something that he, that Marath did uh, through, it was called Katamba. And so this is a, uh, a consulting firm out of Jersey. And so he runs it through the Education Service Center, maybe 13, I think it was Region 13. And so it largely goes unnoticed. And our service centers, there's 20 across, 20 something across the state. A lot of people don't realize that's just another way to funnel and steer contracts. So then you wouldn't know to pull an open records request because it's not through your school district, it's not through the state board. Um, So I don't know, I'm kind of uh, ranting here, but um, as a a state board member, do you see much uh, going on through the the service centers? Do you have any connection with them? Well, I do. I have a good working relationship with the service center, especially that's uh, in Fort Worth. and Which uh, is what? Regional 11. 11. Okay, so your district 11, 11. regional 11. (laughs) Convenient. It works that way, not always. Easy to remember. Yeah. But the thing about it is, uh, and, and you know, they're, the director is great and all. I, I I don't work with the vendors and, and that we're talking about here that I, I've never heard of Katoma before. Katoma, yeah. Uh, it, uh, they were Beaumont, uh, Midland ISD. They were, it was that charter partnership, so they were using Senate Bill 1882, and it was mm-hmm. basically to infiltrate with all different uh, forms of uh, autonomous schools. And, mm-hmm. and so it was a way to take over failing schools. They had a bunch of failing schools. And it was a way to bring in charters. And it, it was just, it was it was kind of shady Did how they, they were doing it. The, the before uh, Beaumont had a Beaumont. reputation mm-hmm. uh, at one time. And is, is this the savior for Beaumont? Kind of, it was like a get out of jail. Yeah, it's like, a, so House Bill 1842 was like the, the, the death penalty bill. And then the clemency was Senate Bill 1882. So it was the partnership. A lot of that came from Marath. Marath mm-hmm. and uh, Todd Williams, they actually have influenced many of the bills that have been, I believe, their privatization bills and their tools to skirt uh, the, the taxpayer and the the, the the elected boards well, in one order of the to things impose you're saying privatization. Is that uh, the bills, then you know we really did need to look at the legislature because mm-hmm. they couldn't be doing these things if if they are nefarious at any point in time. Then it seems to me like the legislature would be. Uh, held accountable for some of these things because they But see, uh, the legislator, all, the, the, it's bipartisan. These bills are bipartisan. And so what happens is, so Marath and Williams have direct contact and they get the legislators to do it. So you've got Harold Dutton, you've got Larry Taylor, Senator Larry Taylor. They've become, they're, they're I mean, they're, they, these they are they're tight with these legislators so really the taxpayer we don't really necessarily um, have access like they do and so these bills come in uh, more than seven thousand bills were in the legislature um, 
more than half were education bills. And so that's um, that's just something that a lot of the elected bodies don't even realize they're doing. But they in the average citizen, it, you know, what we've got is lobbyists. We've got public private partnerships. They're all the ones that are driving these cut and paste bills mm-hmm. that come from sometimes they come from ALEC, that um, American Legislative Legislative Exchange Council. Is that what it stands for? Yeah. Well, I would so, yeah. tell you that the one that, that I was talking about a minute ago where they were going to cut out the State Board of Education from the charters came as a surprise to me and it just happened that my chairman uh, pointed that out and I got on, on the ball and, and started contacting people in committee. And to my, I don't think it ever got out of committee. But if you don't get these things early on, they take on a life of their own True. And, and to get an understanding of them is kind of difficult i mean even as someone like myself where i've i've been around this the, the legislation is so double talkish you know type things and so you think now just what is this trying to do right but one of the things that happened a few years ago had to do with um our the responsibility of the state board of education was our textbook responsibility and that has been uh sort of cut and diced in a different way that we have, are losing that responsibility over the textbooks and it is going to the TEA under uh, the commissioner. Well, and you know, he he's a big fan of technology over textbooks and, and that, that's what I studied about in Dallas ISD is mm-hmm. that he was working with philanthropists and that's his big, that's how he does a lot of the, gains a lot of the power mm-hmm. is working with wealthy individuals and uh, and a lot of them are investors in this lucrative technology and so he is a big fan of of um, competency-based education technology and uh, and then doing uh, I know he appointed a social impact bond director to the TEA because they were doing a math innovation uh, zone and math software where investors could turn a profit on math scores and that's a whole other show oh, well I see know. i'm you're talking to someone who really is not keen on the uh technology aspect of this and right it's not, because you know as a classical education that is the best way to teach yeah. is with no technology like the uh uh one of the things and i think that the reading academies have been very good but one of the things that concerns me is that the materials that they're they're pushing for that are all online, all online. and they tell Bingo. the district you know it's online uh, but you can get it in a hard copy if you want it. But, Which is what we... But that bothers me because my, in the good districts are going to say, yeah, we need right. this in a hard copy. I don't want my kindergartner sitting there reading no. on the computer. I think we're going to rue the day that we've done so much technology and taken the kids away from more traditional type of learning. Well, we'll close on that note. I think that is the, the best solution is to eliminate all of this technology. And then we save bundles of money because we're not steering all these contracts to these software and, and ed tech vendors. And they, I mean, millions and millions of dollars. What's yeah. funny about the legislature was real very anxious for us to put things into technology because it would save money. Uh, with our textbooks and I was actually working with in the textbook arena with that and I'm telling you for the fraction yeah it really went up because mm -hmm. there is a problem with mailing and all this sort of stuff the textbooks and all that kind of thing and it it makes you have to have people in the district to work with them and so forth Mm -hmm. but it was it yeah. was not a big savings. No, no. Well, Pat, thanks so much. This is a great conversation. I'm excited to share this with others and uh, getting people engaged, understanding how the education system works in Texas. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to the Social Impact Podcast on the OBBN Network. 
Available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeart, and anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts. For more information about how you can get involved to educate our local DFW communities or to be a guest or sponsor of Social Impact Podcast, call 214-673-4018. For OBBM network programming information or permissions for reproduction segments of the show, call 214-714-0495. Social Impact Podcast is created by Offbeat Business Media, LLC, for the OBBM Network. Unauthorized use of this content, the Social Impact Podcast or OBBM Network brands are expressly prohibited.